1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: What's what the poster said?
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists
0: to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because no. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated
1: PG-13. I put on some weight recently, so I called Weight Watchers and I asked them if I could have a mentor, and they said yes. So I said, can you send somebody round? And they said, yeah, we've got lots of them.
2: <laughs> and that took me a while as well. I was looking at his face being like, what? And then, and then I, as you got it, Greta, I got it. For it a second, I thought I would completely blonde. No, um, that was good. I just, yeah, didn't see it. I was thinking it was going to be some sort of Mentos joke. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, I like that
1: I've been telling so many varied jokes recently that you just don't know where they're going to go. You're like, oh my God, they could go, they could literally go either way.
0: This one was more for thinker. And I like, well, maybe because I just wasn't switched <laughs> on enough, but I liked it. So no, it was good, Nate. And I know that's really all that you care about, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a thinker.
0: So Nate, what do you think you've got?
1: I reckon, our answer is like a solid seven, six or seven. The delay can't, you know, the delay probably knocked a, a point or two off.
0: Um, I'm going to go eight, Nate. Ah, because I don't lovely. think the delay impacts the quality too much. That's probably just me. So I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt you for me being <laughs> slow. So uh, I liked it. Good. Good work.
1: Lovely, man. Thank you very much.
0: But I'd like to mention at this point that before we started recording, Nate said he's running out of jokes, which <laughs> concerns me for future podcasts.
1: <laughs> just I don't mean generally, I just mean in the list on on my notes, you know, on my phone. So I just need to go on another jokes rampage. I've still got a few. Actually, there's a few that have stored up. And obviously, I've got a flight next week. So Watch this space,
2: everyone. Joke I mean, time. There, there's huge anticipation around Abu Dhabi, and most people think it's for the championship decider that might happen there. But it's not. It's all about the potential for Nate to come up with new original joke content. Yeah, for the winter because it's it's going to be a it won't be a long winter actually. will it? it'll be a short one, but it'll still be a winter with no racing where That's we true. have to fill lots of time, and we need new yeah, your jokes. Right. Shit, no oh, no pressure on me. But
0: we've got some we've got some ideas from some special podcasts over the winter. We do. We do so. Um, so we will continue to bore you, entertain you, delete as appropriate.
2: Hang hey, on, wait. We're going to delete people. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I didn't know you had that power.
0: <laughs> Let's That's stop. what
2: working for Channel Four gets you, and F1. <laughs> I'm
0: going to start the podcast before this gets crazy. Welcome to the Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula 1 around the world. I'm Lawrence Barrette, senior writer at F1.com.
2: And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. And Barrette is trying to like get this back on the straight and narrow, but there's no such thing when it comes to us in this podcast. No. <laughs> Absolutely none. I don't know what he was expecting, but...
0: What I am it's... excited about, boys, is the fact that we're all going to be in the same country at the same time with podcast equipment that allows us to sit in the same room at the same time
1: that oh, is true sets up sets up for a fall now though yeah now it's all going to go wrong now love oh, it no you said that oh no but that is the dream isn't it that is next week ahead of abu dhabi abdab as it's known to its friends uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah hopefully we can do the preview i mean let's hope it's a preview for a title decider because i don't want to go all the way to abu dhabi for a, a dead rubber oh you so... don't want to
0: come all the way to abu dhabi to see us Nate? oh thanks
1: well th- 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 there's that obviously but also no <laughs> you know i don't it's it's a long way to go for a race that's just a race isn't it it's not a championship decider as much as i love you guys
2: i mean i'm gonna see you guys th- at the weekend after that so you know
0: that is true we'll keep yeah. that a surprise shall we?
2: there's been so many times that we've had to go to abu dhabi and it's not a championship decider um i've only been once years. i've only yeah. been once to one decider there so it's it's not unusual to deal with that Nobody's seeing Tom Jones. I was literally um, about to say <laughs> I know you I could see it in your <laughs> face. Um but yeah like it, it's quite cool that we're in a we've got the prospect of maybe having the decider whether we actually get it or not we'll see but yeah I mean even if we don't we'll make it a fun podcast won't we. Yeah we, yeah, we, yeah. So. the podcast is probably going to be the best part of the week if it's a dead
1: rubber. <laughs> yes that's what everyone agreed. will tune into. Um but we should do. I mean Matt, a lot's got to happen for Lewis to win this weekend. Sorry for Max to win this weekend. I mean, amazing things would have to happen for Lewis to win. Maths would have to change. Maths, <laughs> <laughs> the concept of numbers would have to completely change. Uh, no, only Max can win this weekend, but he has to win and Lewis finish sixth or lower. Is that right? Uh, actually, oh,
2: seventh, just yeah. to just to pick out a... Um, well, no, so for that, it's uh, he has to win with fastest lap and Lewis sixth or lower, I think. But um, yeah, and then it's seventh of so its no fastest lap. But anyway, ignoring that, you said that maths would need to change, but technically not. Technically, if Max was to do a Grosjean Spa 2012 and oh, go. that got himself a race ban at the next race and Lewis had taken the championship lead in Saudi, then he'd be world champion because Max wouldn't be able to score a point at the last race. So wow. that's the only way I want to look at it because obviously there are other ways that drivers could but, miss races. But let's, I mean, that's we don't a really roundabout way of looking at it. Is Max near to a ban? No, no, look, like Grosjean wasn't near to a ban. He just got one for apparently wow. inf- affecting the title result, didn't he? It was... um. Well, well there you was go, listeners. Was kind of harsh, really. Chris Medlin says Max Verstappen's going to get a one-race ban and lose the title.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine if he got a one-race ban and Lewis had to finish, like, second or something to win the title. That would be, that would be dramatic. And it was all and on then, Checo. Oh, no, well, well, yeah, but then he would, he was, surely It was he all would. on Bottas. Bottas is like, no. <laughs> Sadly for Bottas, he wouldn't be able to keep Lewis behind him for too long, but it would be
2: fun while it lasted. <laughs> it would be good if he had to win it you're right like imagine that almost like a not a time trial but yeah Lewis just has to go and win and it's just Perez against Hamilton for the weekend in a strange way that would be odd it'd be fact, odd though, that'd and be to be honest, Lewis, Lewis would win that easily so yeah that does sound the,
1: the more you talk about it the more
2: bad it sounds the
1: more bad good lord <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing very well at talking today guys today um, but no. anyway so uh Medlin's pedantry aside Max can win this weekend, and Lewis
2: can't, unless numbers change before then. So watch that first. space. There we go. So watch that space. Well, no, the whole point was we're going to be in Abu Dhabi together, able to record a podcast, as long as the podcasting equipment makes it, because I have been learning about the joys of customs forms to be able to take oh. this stuff to these last few races. But um, assuming it gets there, because, again, I don't want to disappoint people if we have to tell the story of Woe where... My uh, podcasting equipment's impounded in Abu, in Abu Dhabi or Saudi Arabia and it never actually reaches us. So, uh, again, assuming that doesn't happen, then we'll get to record together. What happens if we all turn up, but you've got a one race ban
1: and then we can't do it? What would happen then? You've just, the FIA has banned your pass for a week. We haven't considered I could still that. do it remotely, couldn't I? I could, like this. Yeah, but we wouldn't be on the same location then, would we? It would have ruined it because of your ban, because of your <laughs> okay. reckless journalism, journalizing.
2: I did nearly get a ban, actually. <gasps> Not quite, but I was naughty in Qatar, I will admit. What did you do? So there's new rules for going on the grid, right? Where you can only go as media uh, before 20 past the hour. So just bef- so the pit lane would open at 20 past the hour and and close at half past. And then you have half an hour of grid time before the race start. But because all the mechanics and VIPs and team members and stuff rush onto the grid after the pit lane's opened uh media have to be on either 20 minutes like before the grid opens or after the grid opens uh sorry after the grid closes so you can't basically try and get in in that 10 minute window between 20 past and half past the hour and i had one minute to spare when i got into the pit lane in qatar and being a new venue didn't know where the gate Good. was onto the grid from the pit so i was in the pit lane but didn't know which way to go and i followed two people from the fia thinking they knew where they were going and they were just going for a wander to look at some cars so uh, a security person did come and said you need to either get on the grid right now or go into the paddock i was like yeah i'm trying to get on the grid where's the gate now like oh it's back here come this way i'll take you and took me most of the way but then took me to the door where you can go back into the paddock and said i'm going in here but you can go through that gate there onto the grid so i'm like great and they said be careful because by now 20 past hits so you can hear cars fired up and they're gonna move down the pit lane so i run over to the gate to get onto the grid then and, and formula one say no they're like you've missed the window you can't come on but all it is is to make sure you don't create a bottleneck with all the mechanics and teams. And, you know, you don't want people like all bumping together in really tight, confined, like, space, even though it's outdoors, but, you know, piling through this small gate onto the grid. So I had to stand on the pit wall for 10 minutes uh, and stay out of their way while uh, everyone went in. And it was great. You could watch everybody. See all the VIPs. I've got to see Pirlo, Beckham. Uh, who else was there? Uh, Torre. do uh, so you actually ended Schmeichel. up
0: with a better view by not doing what you're supposed to do
2: by breaking the rules yeah indeed i then i then got told you know don't don't do it again which i will not (laughs) but um yeah it was it was an interesting view
1: the grid is chaotic though i remembered that going back in for brazil i was like oh my word you just forget how many people are just running around and ultimately the media are some of the few people there that actually don't have much reason to be there other than just gawping at cars so I nearly got flattened by Brundle's camera a couple of times. And I was Ooh. just like, I was like, what am I doing here? Um, but it's good fun to be back. But I remember that. I'm pretty sure I went on just just before the cutoff in Brazil. So
2: good one yeah, to remember. Tight. It is tight. Um, yeah, you're right. For us print media, it's kind of... Yeah, there's not always a huge amount of value. There sometimes is. You see things happening and you can react to it. And Also, say, a really good you know,
0: chance to catch up with people, I think. I think yeah, exactly. Someone yeah. that you want to speak to, they're almost certainly, in their high profile, they're almost certainly going to be in the grid. So it's a good chance to grab them.
2: And quite often, it's a bit more relaxed, yeah. I remember um, finding out Grosjean was leaving Lotus to go to Haas on the grid in uh, Singapore, talking to Eric Boulier, just because it had been... You know, It was some random French rumor. And I asked him, and he was like, actually, yeah, this morning he said. So you're like, oh, great, thanks, sorry. Um, but yeah, for TV purposes, it's more fun. So I get to do that the next two in uh, Saudi and Abu Dhabi. I get to do the grid walk with NBC again. So, oh,
0: cool. Um,
2: hopefully I'm not banned, because that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it, if we're just about to go on the grid, and they're like, uh, no. You're just shouting it from the pit wall. Like, yep, and that's there's another car <laughs> in the distance. I see it. I can see it. Breaking news, they're arriving on the grid, and they've yes, they've they've stopped on the grid. They've arrived. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think I think Saudi's gonna be absolute carnage with that circuit.
1: I was looking at it today. It could be it could be a wild, right? Like a Baku style, just
2: complete you know, complete and utter madness. I think there's more chance of that because it's so close to the end of the season and there'll be so much at stake. Cause at first I was gonna say, yeah, but we thought that with the first Baku and everyone took it easy, expecting carnage. And it never happened. And yeah, you know, maybe people take it easy again if it's a tricky track and stuff. But I yeah, you know, taking it easy is just leaving a tiny bit more margin than normal, you know, to respect the walls and stuff. But um, yeah, at this stage of the season they can't afford that at all, can they? So uh yeah, that could get really tasty actually. I'm I'm quite excited for it.
1: Yeah, same. I mean a new venue is there's always that new element of unpredictability anyway. So this with walls being right next to the circuit, there's always a good it's always a good sign. Um, so yeah, I think it, I, I've, I've held back making any predictions because I don't want to be the guy that says, yeah, this is going to happen. And then <laughs> you, you fail to predict the craziest race of all time or something.
0: I like the lay, I like the layout and the fly through that I've watched looks pretty cool. So I'm just looking forward to getting there, running the track, seeing what it's like, seeing what it's like. It looks I, like a quick um, lap it looks like a, both oh, for the it cars like... and for you. No, not when I'm running, but for the cars, yeah, it looks mm. proper high speed, doesn't it? So. It should look pretty dramatic under the floodlights.
2: I'll race you. Bring it. We'll go, we'll go for a ride. Actually, you'll probably beat me. You're running better than I am. Um,
0: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah, it is. But yeah. So speaking of you hot doing
1: hot. all right, hmm. Mr. Barretto. you know what I'm going to tangent into now, don't you?
0: I think I do, but I'm going to let you do it just in case. You've been doing all know. right.
1: No, you've, 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 did, you've recently done one of the coolest gigs I've ever seen somebody do uh, in Formula One, and I want to hear all about it. You basically... Kimi Raikkonen's best friend now and you helped see him off into retirement two races before he retires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gave um, him a really early uh, send off. Yeah but no um so it was an event in Switzerland right in in was it in Hinville? It was at Hinville uh, yeah I've never been to uh, Hinville before. It, it looked incredible there was a lot of people there but you you were basically interviewing Kimi on stage which is uh, a rare treat these days.
0: Yeah I've um I've always enjoyed interviewing Kimi he's always Um, put me under pressure in a positive way because you never quite know what kind of Kimmy you're going to get. He's either going to be in a good mood or, you know, not so fussed mood. Um, And so I I went to Switzerland after the team asked me to host what they were doing, like an internal staff party for the factory-based staff. So they'll do something else for him at the track. But there's hundreds of people who obviously work so hard to put the car together over the course of the year that don't really ever get to see Kimmy or the drivers. Um, so they just put this event on and they asked me to host it really um, and it was yeah like you said mate, probably one of the best things I've ever done um, I was slightly worried that because it was a surprise they told Kimmy to come with his family to meet Bay at Zender um, and just have a catch-up and um, to run through a few things <clears throat> and then they would go for dinner so they kind of didn't tell him that this whole event was going to be put on so I was slightly worried that he'd obviously turn up and not be that keen (laughs) to (laughs) to be involved because obviously the whole thing was about him and he never really likes being the centre of attention so I was a little bit wary and then they what they did is they had a red carpet that went, weaved its way through the wind tunnel. So they've got quite a cool event space in Hinville next to the wind tunnel. And then they put, marked out this red carpet and they got all of the staff to stand either side and kind of give him like a guard of honor and like a clap and, and some whooping as he was walking in. And uh, I thought, Oh, I don't know if that's like Kimmy's bag. Like I'm not sure if he's going to be that keen, but you could see in his face when he walks in, like he was slightly overwhelmed by I think the the reaction to it and that set him up perfectly for having to then come and talk to me on stage uh for a fair while really so he he went to a little table in front of the stage with his two kids, and I think they were a little bit overwhelmed by like the noise and there was just so many people there, but he was very sweet with them and kind of spent a little bit of time kind of like just chatting to them and and kind of making them feel a bit more comfortable and then i said to it I, then i invited him onto stage and he took his mask off straight away this is the first time i've seen kimmy Wakelin's face all year so i was like oh if he's taking his mask off he must feel comfortable enough to talk to me so then i relaxed a little bit and he came up on stage and uh, we had a chat for about i guess 45 minutes um wow interspersed with um we've had a load of video highlights we found a load of social media clips where he basically had a great time hanging out with Robert Kubica and Antonio Giovanazzi, listened to some of his favorite radio messages. And I thought that that was a lot of things to basically just stand and watch. But he he really engaged with the content, kind of told stories or gave memories of, oh, I remember that moment. They've they've made this up and they've pieced it together. It didn't really happen like that. Um, so he kind of really got on board with it. And then when people were kind of engaging with it he was trying to explain to them what was going on he was the most animated that I've seen ever I think and it was I thought that was really sweet and then we had a message from Sebastian Vettel he got invited but couldn't attend it so he sent a video message and he his he started off by saying I'm just holding the microphone it was one of those lapel mics he was like I knew you I knew you wouldn't be bothered to put this on properly so I'm not going to bother either and I'll try and (laughs) keep this short and sweet because you're probably not going to want to listen to all of this either so it was quite it was quite relaxed. It was quite how you imagine they they get on really well. You can understand why they get on really well. He told a great story about Sebastian Vettel, where the first time they met, they went out for a, to a bar and uh, the guys around him were trying to get him drunk and Kimi was taking the drinks for Sebastian. He kind of was acting like a bigger brother, put his arm around him, and that was kind of the start of a, of a really great relationship that they had. Um, I think they're probably, of the two that get on the most, Sebastian's, Kimmy's probably best mate in Formula One. Um, and then I gave him the I gave him the stage. I said, is there anything that you want to say? And he just went off, you know, gave like this really inspiring monologue about how he's sorry that he doesn't get to see the guys, but he knows how much, how hard they work, how much time they spend for him. And they're all pulling pull towards giving him the success. And then he went off stage after we did a little toast at the end and came back on and said, oh, no, I've got more to say. And then just went on and on, like chatting to the guys. And then after the stage bit, um, there's about I'd say three, four hundred people there. He took a selfie or did an autograph or just chatted to every single person in that room. And I, I just thought I just thought that was brilliant. I just thought it was um it says a lot about so he might not really come across as someone who really cares, but I thought that the way he carried himself at that event, the way he spent so much time with everyone um that he took so many photos and the autographs um and spent so much time just whole there in the evening just really shows how much kimmy how much formula one means to kimmy how much the people around him mean to kimmy um and I just saw I saw another side to him that I just thought um you know we don't get to see enough. Not that he really bothered about that I think but um I just wanted to be able to tell other people about it because I just thought it was a very cool event.
2: Big question though. Huge question here. Mm. Do you think he was actually surprised? Because if it was meant to be a surprise, your Instagram stories telling him you're on randomly on your way to Switzerland, like ahead of time, he's surely going to be looking at that mate and thinking. And I think he he lives and breathes by
1: your Instagram
2: updates.
0: I'm not sure. As we all do. I'm not sure that Kimmy follows me on Instagram. So, I mean, um, to be
1: honest, I think the fact that they were like, yeah, can you come to the factory with your wife and your kids (laughs) and probably dress up nice for dinner and just come at like 1 p.m.? Uh, yeah
0: okay maybe to me
1: i'd be like yeah okay i I get where this is going maybe
0: he knew that something was up but he was i think he was i think he genuinely was overwhelmed by the reaction and the Mm. genuine love for him um the talking to a lot of the guys and girls who were there um they just they worship kimmy and you can see why that just why that drives them to do the job that they do and work the long hours that they do because for them, um if they can help Kimi Räikkönen and succeed, that's a that's a huge thing for them. So
1: Sounds amazing, um, man.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Um and then Mintu on her Instagram story stole my final line and put it on there on her Instagram story. No way. Yeah, in a like in a in a I'm not saying that in a bad way. I was like I was very honored that she she chose. She used,
1: to didn't didn't steal, she
2: she she played she paid homage. Y- yes. So was it was it your line in the sense of you said it out loud on stage, yes. or the line you okay, yeah? But so you also I then it. used it in your story, didn't you?
0: I did, yeah, that's you. I did. You, you finished like off with being it.
2: like, You can read my work on <laughs> Formula1.com, <laughs> Chris Medley's work on <laughs> Razor.com, and Nate Storms' work on ESPN. I'd love it if you, when you invite Kimmy up, he's like, Welcome to the pack. Wait, no, hang on, <laughs> <shit. laughs> yeah,
0: but um, also,
1: mate, the fact that the fact that Kimmy opened up so much as well is a testament to you, I think, as well, the fact that he he likes you. Because a lot of a lot of the time with Kimi, people have always said that if he thinks that you ask him a good question, he'll open up. Mm-hmm. If he thinks you ask him a dumb question, or if he thinks you've asked him dumb questions before, he kind of just doesn't give you time of day. So, I think that's a that's a really good feather in your cap that like A they picked you and B he was receptive to you. Because there's been times when when people have done events like that and I've I've heard stories about you know some certain people at like former bosses at Ferrari who had paired up with certain journalists they didn't like. And they just gave the person hell, you know, um, uh, when they, you know, when they were doing their like leaving speech or whatever. So, yeah, that's a that's a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, I feel yeah. really lucky that he reacted like that. Um, so yeah, you're making me blush.
2: Cool. <laughs> Proud of you, man. <laughs> Thanks. That's good easily way. the coolest story we've had on the Pad Hawk. Um, it's would say. um, it's and it's a good job this is audio uh, version only because you know there was the sight of bretta Wenger blazer over a t shirt. Which we all just, we'll let slide, Seems it was a Kimmy. Um, I had a, a tribute shirt t-shirt. and
0: everything. I had a white shirt and everything. And then I thought, oh, I can't be the only one in this room not wearing a Kimmy t-shirt. So I got invited. Did you get
1: him, you've got a pretty cool collection on your uh, at, at your home of things on your wall that have been signed and memorabilia. Did you get anything you can add to that collection?
0: I haven't, but I did then print a photo off that I'm going to take with me to Saudi Arabia and ask him if he would do that. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Good, um, good call.
0: Because I thought that would be, hopefully he won't mind. And that would be a nice thing. Oh, no, of
1: course not. Especially as you were
2: there. And if it was a special moment as well. I would love it if he's just like, I saw enough of you last week. (laughs) Get away from me. Like, we've done this. Like, you've had your time. You know, I fronted up for a good 45 minutes there with you. That was a lot of effort. You will not have the drink. He's certainly not (laughs)
0: afraid to say, oh, I've spoken to you already. Do I have to talk to you again? He's definitely said that that to me before. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and we did a toast on, uh, I wanted to do a shot of vodka to finish off um, the toast, but we we had to make do with champagne, but he seemed to enjoy that. So I thought that was nice. Yeah. yeah. Tough life. Oh, yeah. Life tough life
1: these F1 drivers live. I know. And yeah. these F1 um, hosts, F1 event hosts as well, not just the drivers.
2: Yeah. But I mean, nice that you got to kind of raise a glass. And I guess like if we kind of pivot slightly, we should probably mention raising a glass as well to uh, Sir Frank Williams, who there'll be someone else who'll get a lot of tributes I guess over the mm. next two two races um passing away on sunday morning which was i think wasn't really unexpected was it um the way his health had been recently but um yeah really really sad news to to lose him because to me he's like he's like one of the key pillars of the sport he's someone who when i've known it he's been there forever um but also you've got to go back a long way um, no offense to anyone listening to this who can remember, but you've mm-hmm. got to go, you've got to go back a long way to remember Formula One before Williams um, and before Frank was involved. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really really sad, but um, some beautiful tributes that that came out as well. Um, yeah, it, it's just a bit. This is a bit where we kind of fall a bit flat because I know for the three of us at our age, we didn't get that many opportunities to spend time with him or see a lot of him because Frank wasn't coming to so many races uh, in the later years, but um Beretta, i know you've done a lot of work with williams in the past i've done some hosting and things with them and i always remember one thing i do remember was uh the first interview i did that was f1 related like on site i was at uni and i managed to i contacted williams asking to speak to frank about um how hard it is to get into formula one as a new team and i know he'd done it a long time before this was kind of about 2010 i think but it was uh a a uni TV project I was doing and I thought his input would be excellent and you know, as a as a team owner in his own name, um kind of the um aspect he could have on it. And you know, unsurprisingly though, like he's not available. Um he won't be in at that time. But um they gave me Adam Parr instead, who was who was good for it. But uh, I'll admit I was a little bit like, oh, would have been cooler, cooler to have Sir Frank. And then I did get a little tour afterwards. I remember thinking it's so cool to walk into the factory and see the Williams name above the door, but then I got a little tour afterwards and they showed me his office or like where it is but said you know he's not in today and I remember leaving a little bit deflated that because at that point I had no idea if I'd have a future in F1 career or anything like that that might have been my only visit ever to an F1 factory for all I knew certainly to the Williams factory so I remember feeling a little bit deflated that I never got to sort of see him and meet him because he was an absolute hero like Williams dominated when I first got into F1 and when I think of F1 I see a, a Rothman's livery Williams so um yeah I'm really glad that I actually managed to make it and meet him a few times and see him and um he was just so so cool so inspirational for everything he went through both like on and off the track
0: um it's no secret that I've got a lot of time for Williams um they kind of operate a sort of open door policy they're very welcoming I think they they open You know, they've always been open with us I think the media and I think that came down from the top I think Frank just got he just got it he got that everyone was there because they had a job to do um but they were there for a reason um and I think that that's why that team's often described as a family team because he really cared about everyone who worked there. I know when they were trying to sell the team, a big part of what they were going to do is did all of those staff have jobs, you know, at the end of it. And, you know, that comes from, from the very top. Of course, he was a hard racer and I'm sure he did some really tough business deals and stuff, but ultimately he just cared about going racing. And I only got to meet him a couple of times. I went to the Grand Prix Mechanics Trust when I was doing some writing for them quite early on in my career. And uh, they were hosting it at in that exhibition centre where the museum is. And uh, I walked in, and he was like, and he was, he was like, "Hello, so who are you?" As I walked in, um, and I was like, "So I explained who I was." And he just stood there chatting to me, basically interviewing me, you know, trying to find out a little bit more about you know who I was, what I was trying to do, why I was working at the Grand Prix Mechanics Trust and stuff. And he didn't have to do that; like, he didn't have to chat to me. Um, and I just thought that was a really nice that was a really nice touch. And then you'd see him afterwards and he'd remember, no, you wouldn't always have in depth chats, but he would say hello to you and you'd see him and stuff. So yeah, so I've got a massive um, soft spot for Williams and, and the team. So um, yeah, I'll miss him.
1: You're right about the Rotham's livery. You know, that's, that's one thing I think of as well. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of crazy in a way for us, like growing up in the nineties, Williams was the team. Um, and I remember like, you know, there was that crazy year when they suddenly went, it was like Winfield Williams in 98. Not being good anymore. It was a little bit like Manchester United in football recently. Like they went from being the best team to suddenly just being, you know, another team. It was like, oh my God, like this is so weird. And I think for newer fans coming in, I hope that the kind of the tributes convey just how big and just how dominant that team was because it's easy to look at Williams now and think, okay, this team doesn't really do anything. But it's almost why it's such a crazy story that they're in the position they have been in recently because they were that team before. So yeah, he'll be missed. And I think Bernie ackleston said it best. He was like, you know, F1, the reason it's as successful as it is today is because of guys like him. So I think that's a huge, that's a huge, um, yeah, huge testament to what he did. So um, he'll, be, he'll be missed a lot and hopefully Williams can go out with a, a high result or two in
2: these last two races. Yeah, it's nice that this year at least has been an improvement and a step up and that they're kind mm-hmm. of back on a path towards... Uh, better things because yeah it certainly deserves it and i'm sure a lot of people are motivated to kind of do that in his name so um yeah. it'll be nice as well that we can sort of all get together for the last two races and there'll be some tributes and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah there's some big names that have been lost this year haven't there so um it'll be um, really interesting to see what some people do and say but um yeah it's uh it was sad news but a really nice opportunity to kind of reflect on on what sir frank gave f1 so i know that's the pad hoc being kind yeah. of normal and, and not taking the piss out of something but um yeah he was he was an absolute legend
1: and good as well I know it was um it was a strange circumstance but looking back at it now super nice that Russell got that podium in Belgium you know because you know Sir Frank would have seen that and um yeah it was a, a weird way to get it but it seems kind of apt now that they had that the final you know the final year so um yeah a nice, nice way for us to pay tribute. I think it's a nice thing to do. And we don't always just take the piss out of everything. It's also uh,
2: worth remembering. Uh, certainly not when it's something like this. You, there's a good point actually about with George, because for sort of Williams, that's exactly what the team did a lot. was like a British mark with British drivers that kind of like stood out as as that kind of team. Um, and uh, you and I, Nate, we got to, you know, throw in a segue here, but we got to have lunch with a British driver, not George Russell, Yeah, but lunch with the British driver last Friday, didn't we? and it wasn't lewis
1: hamilton either mm-hmm. so which one would, could it have been it was landon norris um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was it was really cool um it's it's always it's always nice when you get a driver in that kind of environment isn't it there was about maybe 10 of us maybe less actually but just kind of you know good chance to have off record and on record chats and i don't know landon I, I, i'm sure you guys remember but the the young kid that came into f1 as a rookie was really shy and you were lucky if a transcript of his would be you know longer than kind of a couple sentences each question, and now when you talk to him, I mean he's only just turned 22 and he's he's he's, I think he's finding out a lot about himself, um and he's quite frank and quite honest. I mean it's it's a really likable guy. I think um very easy to root for. But um yeah, there'll be a lot of stories about Lando over the you know tonight and uh, tomorrow, and they'll they'll probably come from that from that round table. But yeah, some some really cool stuff in there, and I think he's actually become one of the elite drivers
2: of F1 this year. Well, what we're going to do is it it will be tonight that you'll see stories, but that's because you know, we'll just hold this till an embargo list. But the huge news that we're there for, which actually, to be mm. honest, in our little world, wasn't particularly big news was that, um, well, that's cool for Vlana to do, was that he was talking about the fact he's moving to Monaco over the winter. Mm. Um, and he was so honest. This is what was great. I mean, it, it was clearly, you know, there's there's PR backing for it where they're thinking, best thing we can do is, is front up and be honest about this. So we all had this big lunch in central London. And he was like, yep like uh it's probably for the reasons you'd expect like, i've got to think of my future you can see drivers mm. who don't have long careers or how quickly it can change like you know it might be going well for me right now but i can't predict the future and essentially yeah he's trying to make sure that he cashes in as much as he can right now when he's earning good money from f1 so that it sets him up for the future rather than he wastes it um and he won't be the first or last driver to do that by moving to somewhere like monaco but um yeah he was really open and honest about it which was very good of him actually because you could just yeah. tell the way he's talking that he was a little bit um there's there's still stuff he loves about the UK and and home and things like that it, you know he's got a lot of friends uh nearby and um is it Max Futrell I think who he um roommates with at the moment and that sort of stuff where it, it's you know it's a big change for him like you said the, the confidence that he talks about not having previously when he first came into F1 and stuff to now be at a level where he's like yeah I'm going to move to Monaco is a big step actually I think on a personal level so yeah big step um, he was very open about it wasn't he He was really engaging for the whole afternoon
1: yeah he was and it's I mean you know when someone moves to Monte Carlo you know the reasons why you know and the fact but then a lot of people like you said kind of try and spin it maybe a little bit so the fact that he was just like you know yeah financial is a big thing I kind of respect because I I think I, I even said it to him when we were chatting I was like most of us in this room would do the same thing if we were in your situation like and any anyone who says they wouldn't is lying to you because there's there are benefits to doing it. So like the fact that he was honest about it I thought yeah, you know, fair play because a lot of people haven't been um I'm sure people use it as a stick to beat him with if he makes it big because that seems to be the way they, things go but um yeah, it was nice to nice to do that on an off week I think, have a little chat with Lando.
0: And what did you eat? I mean, you've said lunch several times and you've not told me what you
1: had. <laughs> you're just desperate to know if it was a burger or not, aren't yes. you? It wasn't a burger, mate. Everyone a lot of people had steak. I had salmon. Very which nice. was delicious. It um, was a
2: steakhouse. It was a very nice steakhouse and they went for I made a big error. I ordered a Guinness. Um <laughs> There was that too. And so that turned up and
1: it was I went I it was not a good idea. I was bright red by the end of the meal. So I, <laughs> I just I was just Completely full, full, full from Guinness, and it wasn't really. I mean, don't have Guinness on tap if uh, you're not a Guinness place. That's my, that's my two cents
2: <laughs> to finish with. It was, uh, yeah, I, I went for, I had steak. It was soup and steak. It was very nice and dessert. Um, oh, I had then... everything as well, but I just had a massive pint of Guinness with it. So basically, <laughs> four, four, four courses instead of three. But yeah, it's very cool. And La- yeah, Lando was excellent. He was on really good form. Good fun. Chatted about a lot of different stuff that. different websites and news outlets will run over the next few days but um yeah cool thing to do and um yeah then he had to shoot off for a weekend away and we just decided to hang around with the mclaren comms team and then get a bit of a headache at least i did um (laughs) nate went off to nate nate thought now lando's gone Uh, yeah none of these people are worth my time
1: (laughs) Um, main event's gone then you know the second act had to go which is me so
0: that's how it is wow yeah on that note i'm sad that i'm sad <laughs> that i didn't meet up with you guys but um i'm gonna ignore that and probably wrap this podcast up thanks very much chaps it's been an absolute pleasure and thanks to everyone who was listening as well remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels you can read nate's work on espn.com medis's work on racer.com and my work on f1.com and we will do this again very very soon
1: look forward to seeing that on minty raikkonen's instagram very soon <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
0: Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.